Attention culture consumers. Join me, the queen of queries, Sarah O'Connor, and my band of nerdy knights. Colleen McMillan. Flo Siegel. And Anders Drew. On Bohemian Geek Studies, where we take extremely dorky dives into our favorite fandoms, especially that Star Wars galaxy far, far away. Listen each week as we examine the stories that mean so much to us. Bohemian Geek Studies is available wherever you get your podcasts and is proudly part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Hey, it's Andrew Morgan, host of the NOMCAST, the Netflix original movie podcast. Each week we preview and review the biggest Netflix original movies with special guests from the film industry, the music industry, comedians, and of course our fellow critics and podcasters. The NOMCAST is available on nomcastpod.com or wherever you get your podcasts on the socials at nomcastpod and is a part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Hi, I'm Shamar Griffith. And I'm Andrew Tahada. I am a blurred with a love for artwork and comics and animation. And I'm a freelance writer with a love for pretty much the same things. We grew up together and spent our formative years watching and talking about DC superhero shows and content. In fact, we still do. Every episode, we will discuss a film and its connection to the DC animated movie universe, compare it to its original source material, and share our thoughts on the adaptation. We've enjoyed our conversations these past couple of decades, and we think you will too. This is yet another DC Animated Podcast. Welcome to yet another episode of yet another DC Animated Podcast. My name is Shamar Griffith, codename Comic Shams. And I am Andrew, codename Arate. Andrew and I have known each other since 1996. Which is coincidentally the amount of characters in this movie because <laughs> there are so many random characters in Bad Blood. I, I think around 1,996. Yes, I, I think you're pretty close to it, actually. This is based off of a, a very big Batman thing. And we're about to get into it because there are honestly too many characters, too many stories. There's just too much. <laughs> the, the, yeah, the too much is a... Uh... A great way to describe this movie is it too much good or too much bad i think you guys already know but we're gonna get into it anyway <laughs> as i mentioned we'll be talking about batman bad blood this 2016 films directed by jay olivia and it serves as the direct sequel to batman versus robin and that leads me to ask what the hell happened <laughs> <laughs> did they fire like the entire writing team did were they under a bet to get this out very quickly? Uh, it it must have been a combination of both of those things. And I feel it's just like, we need as much fan service as we can get. So here, are, this is, I, I've, been, I've been trying to count how many stories, comic book story arcs are involved in here. I'm at four currently four? right now. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> that makes sense. So this movie has a runtime of 72 minutes and we see the return of the voices of the Bat family with Jason O'Mara as Batman, Stuart Allen as Damian Wayne, Sean Mayer as Nightwing. Also returning from a movie break is Marina Bakarin as Talia al Ghul. We get new voices of Yvonne Strahovski and Gaius Charles as they make their way to the Bat family as Batwoman and Batwing, respectively. And finally, which is something really shocking to me, we get some really big screen and voice acting royalty coming through with Travis Willingham as the heretic you might know as he's been voicing um, Thor a lot in the latest animated Marvel productions. We have an OG Ghostbuster of Ernie Hudson coming through as Lucius Fox. And Alfred is now being played by James Garrett, who you might know as Avatar Roku. <laughs> he's just as good. He's just as powerful in this film as, as Avatar Roku himself. So, Would you say that he does a bloody hell of a good job? Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> I have to because they just shoehorn that phrase in so many times. <laughs> All right. Well, it's time to dive into this film, Batman Bad Blood, a film that is list of voice actors is possibly more interesting than the actual film. So it opens up talking about how uh, the there's a group of criminals who are really trying to take power in Gotham, led by, I believe, Black Mask. And right now we get introduced to a lot of the Gotham City 
rogue gallery C-listers of the Electrocutioner, <laughs> Firefly, Killer Moth, and the one that I have questions about, Tusk. The, the guy with just elephant tusks growing out of his face? Like, yeah. <laughs> is that the thing? Was he like just woke up one morning and was like, huh, maybe I should be evil now. Like, what? <laughs> what's his motivation? And I also hate, one of the things I hate off the bat of this movie, I, I just won't even lie about it. Why do we have a Mothman and Firefly? You have two villains that fly around with a set of wings and do basically the same thing. Yep. Why? <laughs> there yeah. are like 3,000 Batman villains. You didn't have to repeat two guys with the same stick. We needed an aerial assault team. <laughs> <laughs> in this film and we got firefly and killer moth what happened to kite man was he was he out of was he on vacation yeah <laughs> what i would have oh hell yeah i would have seen kite man like come on <laughs> let's go but unfortunately we're stuck with these guys and right when they're in the middle of some big major crimes who should stop them but bat woman it's Batwoman. she she showed up and she's here to to defeat tusk specifically and everybody else if she can and this is clearly not your batman approved bat family member she is using guns they're real bullets and batman joins into the fight to try to stop her while also taking on everybody else but eventually decides to fight alongside of her they are chasing down some of the criminals who are making their way um, away from them and they end up getting cornered in this factory where they are now approached by this masked man who decides to call himself the heretic and this guy is wearing a batman mask he is there's a joke that happens in which batwoman talks about the fact that she's not the only one copying batman style and i would just like to add the heretic as in this week's quota of unnecessarily chapped individuals jesus christ this guy has been juicing every day it's like he ate three frank grillos and combined into one <laughs> he's got muscles on top of muscles on every inch of his body and he's also accompanied by she's i again so many much of this movie is forgettable but who is the woman who accompanies him mm -hmm. does she have a her, name yes <laughs> Do they say her name at the end? Yes, her name is Onyx. I mostly remember her from the Batman, the Red Hood comic series. She played a very big part in that. Don't remember much about her being in the um, in the comics that really kind of, I guess, adapted this story here. But yeah, she's, she's there. The heretic is there. We see this big fight between um, all of them. And it leads into the heretic kind of, almost proving as if he knows Batman's secret. He's saying, at the, as if I'm not mistaken, he calls him by name. And as there's this just one little final nail in the coffin, it's just like, I know all your secrets, Batman. He sets off some explosions and Batman attempts to save Batwoman, which he does, but in doing so, flings her outside of the building to safety and has apparently now died in this explosion. Yep. Batman's dead, guys. Pack it up. The mm -hmm. movie ends right here. Uh, <laughs> but of course, uh, the show must go on. So Alfred decides to impersonate Bruce over video chat. And it's going pretty well. He's using some facial technology to pretend to be Bruce and everything. Unfortunately, he lets a bloody hell slip in the middle of his speech, <laughs> which only Lucius Fox catches on to, but it, it works and we're introduced to Lucius Fox and Luke Fox hanging out at a good old Wayne headquarters where one gripe I couldn't get over is that Lucius Fox is working on like some super secret bat tech when his son walks into the office but the mm. screen has no back it's completely holographic <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> his son could walk in and instantly see he's working on the new bat costume or whatever lucius you're smart why get a back <laughs> to your computer get one of those like plastic things on your screen so people walk by you can't see them like come on man you're you're the it guy 
And I do, I will say that I do kind of like the the dynamic that we have a little bit between Luke and Lucius there. I think it's a very standard father-son dynamic when you reach that kind of level of just like, I only want what's best for you. And it's like, dad, I'm like the top person in the army right now. <laughs> and I, I got like 17,000 degrees. I got more degrees than there are people in the Bat family. Like, come on. <laughs> and... We have that happening alongside um, as Nightwing is fighting against Blockbuster in the middle of the street, things are getting destroyed. He's having a flirtatious conversation on the phone with Corey, the same person that we saw in the last film, who we now know is definitely Starfire. Yeah. So it's just tragic to hear once again that right about as he's about to go home, and probably do something chaste, like stare into her eyes and hold hands for hours of the night. He gets a call from Alfred that, oh, by the way, Bruce is missing. You want to come home and deal with it? So he has to go home to Gotham and try to figure out where his adoptive father ended up. And we find out at that point that Bruce has been missing now for a little over two weeks. And... This is when we get a chance to see that Nightwing is now deciding that it is time for him to take on the cow because the criminals have no fear. They are running rampant. And that's, this is all because there is no Batman to pull them back into the reins. He dons the suit. We also cut to a scene in the Himalayas. As uh, mentioned to our last movie that we talked about with Batman versus Robin, Damien decides to leave Gotham, to go to the Himalayas, to be, to really understand himself, to follow up after everything that's happened with him. He needed, he needed a vacation away from all of it. And he's in this monastery where he still has Wi-Fi access. Yeah. Because <laughs> Great like, bars. I didn't realize that monasteries had Wi-Fi access. And as he's there, he watches a news report of Commissioner Gordon announcing that Batman has been missing for these past couple of days. They don't know where he is and that the police is more than capable of taking care of the crime that's happening in Gotham. And Damien utters something that I still laugh about to this day of that Commissioner Gordon is a fool for putting his faith in the police force. <laughs> <laughs> Damien gets it. He's woke. You're right. <laughs> This is one of the issues I do have with the movie. We're, we're seeing so many scenes happening all at once. And it's just jumping around so often. Just like, hey, let's check in on this person. Oh, and that person. And we continue that trend by heading over to um, Batwoman's civilian alter ego, Kate Kane. She's meeting with her father. And she's talking to him about, um, about what happened. About the fact that she was there to see Batman's death. Yeah, they're having... Another one of my least favorite things in superhero media, when you openly talk about your identity and superhero stuff in the middle of a diner, like no one can hear you. Come on, it's Gotham. You know, like the Joker's henchman is in the back, like, hey, she knows Batman. We should probably <laughs> uh, tell the boss about that. You know, it, it's, it's weird that they're having this very public and open conversation with each other. They also take time to remind us of Kate's traumatic backstory of when she was young. <laughs> it's, I sound tired because it is tiring to recite this typical <laughs> backstory. She was young. She was kidnapped with her mother and sister. Her father tried to save them, but she could, they could only save Kate. Her mother and sister died. That gave her a complex of a hero, and now she's dressing up as Batwoman. That's, that's it, you know? There's no further depth mm -hmm. into that backstory. They don't like <laughs> reframe it or call back to it because they give her another, they give her a completely separate origin story for why she's Batwoman five minutes later. It, yes. <laughs> it is baffling. But, you know, who has time for that? Because you got to put Batwoman in, in the mix and she's got to go meet. She's got to go meet Nightwing and everybody else. <laughs> and 
she sees this happening as Nightwing is driving off in the Batmobile dressed up as Batman. They take down Black Mask and the group of his gang. It is Nightwing as Batman. Uh, we have Kate Kane as Batwoman appearing. And Damien has made his way over to Gotham. I have no idea how because there were no planes, there's no transportation anywhere from the Himalayas <laughs> at that level of height that he could be there in the same day. It's the same way Bruce got from that hole in the desert to Gotham City and Dark Knight Rises. <laughs> I guess money, you know, I guess that's the answer, but we don't know. <laughs> and at this point, Nightwing is putting on his best Batman impression. I think this is one of my favorite things I learned about this film. Uh, Sean Mayer, who, as we mentioned, voices Nightwing, said that he actually created the voice in a way to mock Jason O'Mara's Batman. When he first used the voice with with everybody listening, they said it was great. It was okay. And that was really because it was so bad. That And that's it's a joke that keeps coming up about the fact that everybody knows it's Nightwing because of the fact that the impression is so bad. Ah, okay. That, that's a little cute, a little cute fact. I like that. Yeah. Um, but it was nice to see that everybody does know that it's not Bruce in the cowl. Robin picks up on it. Uh, Batwoman picks up on it. And Kate provides the information that they're missing about the fact that she saw Batman die. And at that point, they go their separate ways with Damien and Nightwing going into the Batmobile again. Nightwing asks for Alfred to pull up some information about Kate, which obviously because Bruce Wayne is just like, so he already has information about who Batwoman is. And he shares all of this information in a video recording in which he explains who Kate is, her history, how she was forced to resign from West Point, and that led her into donning the Batwoman suits and taking on her own um, fight to crime. Nightwing clearly knows who she is. We don't really know how, it doesn't really get explained at that moment. And one of the great things about it is that we get a chance to see Damien actually question Nightwing on a lot of his motivations and everything. One of which was Damien pointed out the fact that was Nightwing really excited to take over the title as Batman? Because I'm, he was pretty much says that I bet you couldn't wait to take it over because it's such a prestigious role. It's clear that Damien still has this mindset that Batman is the ultimate goal it's being in his Robin role because he sees it as a parallel to his grandfather's role. And this is when we get a chance to finally hear why Nightwing went out on his own in this new universe. And he's saying that he kept seeing himself in Batman's shadow. He didn't want to be the person that kind of had this focal point of fear exuding from him. So that's why he created his own persona. And he was so reluctant to put on this cowl, but he knew he had to do it for the sake of Gotham. But we're getting an alert from Alfred telling Nightwing and Damien that there is something happening over at Wayne Tech and Lucius is injured. Yeah, Lucius is is real effed up in this one. Uh, And his son, despite also being ridiculously jacked, can't do anything because you know who's there? At at the scene of the crime, Tusk. Mm -hmm. You know, when when Tusk is around, you you can't win. So luckily... (laughs) Luckily, Nightwing is Batman and Robin show up and they do their best to keep these criminals at bay. Damien gets into a great, great fight with uh, Tusk. But again, he's so small. He's, he's just too small <laughs> to do any serious damage. So it looks like trouble for, for Damien. Multiple people are coming from him. And so when Damien is attacked by the electrocutioner, who is going a little too far, Heretic, who has now aligned himself with all these villains, shows up and kills Electrocutioner and kind of extends an arm to Damien, saying, like, I am on your side. You should join me, which further deepens this mystery of, like, who is this guy who seemingly knows Bruce Wayne? 
who has this connection with Damien. Is this Talon somehow? Is Talon back from the dead in the last movie? Is this like another cousin? Is this another assassin? Well, the answer is uh, real stupid, guys. Um, (laughs) In uh, a subsequent scene, we discover that Batman is being held captive by Talia, who is just evil now, which I have to talk for a second. The last time we saw Talia, she leaves her son in Batman's custody with the kind of understanding that he is going to take a lighter path. He's not going to follow what his mother was doing. But her and Batman have an understanding, it seems. Like, they don't love each other traditionally, but they seem to understand which each other is about. Now she's just a card-carrying villain who's like, yep, I'm going to brainwash Batman with the Mad Hatter's help, and I'm going to take over the world, and I have all these plans. Where, what is this descent? Where did her evil vibes come from? She was just, you know, an anti-hero last time, and now she's just straight a villain. Yeah, there is no explanation about this. I almost had to look back at the list and be like, did I miss a movie? Because we left on good terms the last time around. And, you know, they're, they're like thinking back to the fact that she was k- killed. I'm putting that in quotes, but she was, at least she was injured to the point where she had to be taken to the Lazarus pit. And, you know, that that's for me what I thought maybe might've been this descent. But again, we never got any explanation about that, about why does she automatically just turn evil? Why is she, you know, just, it, it seems like she's not even using the League of Assassins, which she has control over still, as far as we know. Yeah, this she's is using just, Tusk. She's yeah. using damn Tusk. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know what the game plan is, but again, we also get to see that Bruce is being held captive in this really, like, I don't even know how to describe this dream sequence. It starts off with him, you know, being in bed with two other women doing, I don't know, probably probably playing a game or something. Yeah, probably playing something. Yeah, yeah. And he notices that one of them is wearing his mother's pearls which is just like, you can't have a Batman movie without Martha Wayne's pearls. Mm-hmm. So at this moment, he gets enraged. He's wondering, where did this come from? So there's a little bit of semblance of just kind of like, he kind of knows who he is. But at that same moment, he's now being dragged into the sunken place. So I 100% guarantee, I, I have no proof, but I'm going to just put this on a limb. <laughs> uh, in the last movie, Batman versus Robin, he gets drugged and has all these hallucinations and dream sequences thanks to the Court of Owls. I think they literally took a scene they didn't use from the hallucination sequence and put it in here just to get it to a 72-minute runtime. I honestly believe that's what they did because <laughs> this sequence, we never see this hallucinogenic state again in the movie. It's just this one scene. So I think mm-hmm. they just had some extra footage on the cutting room floor. But before we get hung up on either Talia or Bruce, we got to talk about the reveal of Heretic. Yes. He takes off his mask. They're like, oh, we've never seen this kid before. It turns out that he is a clone of Damian Wayne that mm-hmm. has been aged up to a fully grown adult that hits on his mom technically because heretic hits on talia which is technically his mom they got a weird thing going on and he wants to capture damien so that he can download damien's memories into his two-day-old body i guess and then have the mind of a 12 year old in what the hell are we doing here (laughs) yeah we we can't we are not making this up. This is this is the film. This is the motivation. And we find this out about maybe maybe 40 to 50% into the film or so. But yeah. again, we have no other, actually, probably even less. 
this is still pretty early on to the film. We don't really know what the what the goal is, what the plots are, what the what the conflict is. We haven't even met all the characters yet, and we've already exhausted quite a list. <laughs> it it's just it's baffling. I there's we could honestly go through the this in any order because these events don't have to happen one after <laughs> each other. They could this could have been dropped at any time and it still would have been just as weird and plot relevant but Mm -hmm. taking a break from all that weirdness we we scoot back to gotham and kate uh, kate kane batwoman and nightwing have a conversation about what happened why is kate kane going around with the bat symbol we find out she was walking home alone from the club she was drunk and unfortunately as is reality she was harassed by a group of men and batman saves her and she was knocked over in this altercation. So Batman goes to extend an arm to her and Kate slaps it away saying, I won't take your help. I don't need anyone's help. And it cuts back to present time. And she's like, from that day on, I vowed to never need anyone's help again. So I became Batwoman. <laughs> now that we find out this story, I just have to wonder if we even needed her original origin because one, either one would work. Either one would work. If she, if she watches her mom and sister get gunned down and comes to Gotham, I believe that's enough for her to say, oh, Batwoman, okay, I'll do it. I didn't mm-hmm. need the additional story that really doesn't tell us anything new about her character. It It's like a random night happened to her and she was saved by Batman. That's not a great origin story. <laughs> it works sometimes, but not here. <laughs> um, honestly, to, to be completely honest, nothing of note really happens for like the next 10 minutes until the heretic kidnaps Damien. Luke Fox, uh, Lucius's son, gets his hand on a bat wing, basically a Batman Beyond suit. Mm-hmm. And he flies, and Nightwing, Kate Kane, Luke Fox end up at the place where Batman and Damien are kidnapped. So you know what it's time for. It's time for the fight, the, the clash we have been waiting for, Batwing versus Killer Moth. Finally. Finally, <laughs> we see this on screen. I've been waiting for years. <laughs> and, and now... Oh, and also Nightwing and Batwoman fight some gun-toting nuns because who cares? Which <laughs> Nightwing, who pulls off the worst joke in this film, decides to call them nunjas. Oh, no, I forgot about that. No, I am sorry I had to bring that to your mind, but I had to tell the people that Nightwing called them nunjas. Yeah, it... Oh, man. Yeah, it's... The action scene is it's fine. There's some good animation. There's some like great techniques, but uh, like most of the movie, this is all surface level. Mm-hmm. What does it matter if Nightwing finds himself in a hallway with Tusk? We we do you care? Because we don't. Like <laughs> there's there's no emotional <laughs> layer behind the battle. He, we'll just skip to the part where they they save they save Bruce <laughs> from yeah. the brainwashing machine. As Damien finally escapes and learns everything about what's going on, again, he learns everything in terms of the surface level stuff, like as we did with this movie. He doesn't learn about what actually is happening. He knows about the fact that the heretic is a clone of him. He sees his mother and realizes his mother is the one that's behind everything. So once he's able to escape because the, the villains of the movie are afraid of not one Batman who they captured, but they're afraid of three of his you know, his sidekicks, basically. So they, they collect everything that they had, and Damien escapes out of his holding to go over to Bruce, takes him out of his own cage, and as he's trying to get him to come back to life, he is slapping him in the face <laughs> multiple times to the point where at the third one, Bruce is just wakes up from his deep in slumber and stops Damien from hitting him one more time with the look of like, boy, you must be crazy for hitting your father. 
just it, it's a good it's a good moment we have to highlight the good in, in underneath all of this um mm-hmm. to see you know their relationship is still like a little contentious still but very funny they have moments to reunite before they have to get the hell out of this base which is quick side note the base is on the side of a mountain and it seems to be held up by two beams like two <laughs> steel beams and i was watching this with the roommate and he who's like does construction he's like why the hell would you put a monastery on two steel beams on the side <laughs> of a mountain like that is poor construction that is not osha compliant and the beams get destroyed don't worry about it everyone's fine there are no stakes in this movie um <laughs> and in an instant they're back home in the back cave bruce is lifting three thousand pounds saying i feel great so bruce is ready to even though he's been hypnotized and brainwashed and captured for a couple of weeks he's like i gotta go launch this new thing at wayne tech that we haven't talked about really up until this point but we're going to throw it in the movie now he goes to do that a newscaster explains that he's going to um, to unveil this new universal translator device um and that everyone's going to wear the newscaster is very distractingly looks like a black man but that voice is not the voice of a black man at all <laughs> it it not even close i it, i want to check the imdb because it just it it was weird the voice just was did not match <laughs> the character so after we get the newscaster set up we go to kate kane who's hanging out in her apartment with her father in just her underwear and it's just weird it's a weird scene i'm like I'm not personally, I didn't personally need to see Kate Kane half naked. Mm. I There was no build to that. And the fact she's around her dad, what is this relationship? I It gets weird and it gets weirder when her dad starts attacking her. Yeah, she jumps out the way because at the moment that she turns off the TV, she sees that her father is pointing a gun at her. She jumps out the way and then starts trying to take down her dad she's able to knock away the gun and at this point when he grabs a knife she decides to pull out the Ryder Flynn special as I like to call it by grabbing a frying pan (laughs) and uses that to defend herself ultimately throwing it at his head which is like I swear that was a cast iron (laughs) like (laughs) he is dead (laughs) it it is brutal but it works she realizes wait a minute something weird is going on maybe we mm-hmm. should check on bruce and at over at the conference we find out that uh, the universal translator devices that bruce releases are also mind control devices just go with it it'll be easier if you just don't even think about it <laughs> and it's all part of talia's grand plan to take over the world so the rest of the Bat family realizes, oh no, Bruce is going to do some crazy stuff. And the building where they're holding the conference happens to fly. So it starts taking off off the ground. So now the Bat family has to go and fight all these villains that Tali has assembled. They got to fight, of course, you know they're going to have to fight Tusk. Uh, they're <laughs> going to have to fight Mad Hatter. They're going to have to fight Heretic. Um, um, actually, wait, no, the reason why they didn't fight Heretic because Heretic died wait, a what? couple scenes ago. <laughs> yes, wait, what? How, how did, how did I forget that Heretic died in the middle of the movie? Because I guess, like the writers, we didn't care, but back in back when we went back to the monastery. Talia sees that the heretic has captured Damien and is trying to take his memories away from him. So Talia shoots the heretic point blank into the chest. Honestly, I and thought that uh, happened later, but I guess it happened then. <laughs> yeah, Her- heretic wasn't going to make it to the sequel and clearly not for this, the third part of this film, I guess. I, 
it, it was to give more screen time to Tusk. I understand. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, Tusk was the main person that we needed to pay attention to. I need a Tusk movie now. <laughs> Petition, release the Tusk cut. I want, I want every scene in the DC animated universe, but with 90% more Tusk. <laughs> so, yes, with that quick little note about Heretic, we are jumping back onto this UFO thing that Bruce Wayne has developed with all of them fighting amongst each other. It is Talia versus Batwoman, uh, Batwing versus Killer Moth and Firefly, Nightwing, Nightwing versus Batman, and we have the biggest fight of the century with Damien versus Tusk. Yes, <laughs> the grudge match of the, the century. <laughs> you thought Batman versus Robin was good? This is the fight that we needed to see. <laughs> it's... Um... Oh. The fight is mercifully short. Um, mm -hmm. It basically ends with Damien kicking Tusk off a, a high balcony. And he's like, oh, wait, I don't kill. Justice, not vengeance. Justice, not vengeance. And he tries to pull Tusk up. But Tusk fell into a propeller or something. <laughs> Die. <laughs> um, I will say the, the the height of this fight scene is Alfred has to stop the mind Ooh. control device. So he goes into the main control room. <laughs> he, he, he kills Yo. he catches two bodies <laughs> he, wait, I love this fight so much because it was like last movie we had Alfred with the shotgun but we didn't know that he had two cannons up in them fist <laughs> oh my god yeah Alfred is out punching people he's he's got the classic like British boxing stance and mm -hmm. in the process of him trying to stop all of this he accidentally causes mad hatter's head to ex literally explode into <laughs> pieces he does not go under the bat family no kill world apparently because <laughs> mad hatter is very dead and we get alfred's final bloody hell of the entire film which <laughs> oh. was the perfect catchphrase to end with <laughs> and now it's time for the i guess the real main event nightwing is forced to fight a brainwashed Batman as Talia and Batwoman still scuffle. These two go at it. I think Nightwing's arm gets broken for, I think, like the 11th time in this universe. Yeah. And Talia throws the gun over to, to Batman, telling him that he must take out Nightwing because all she wants right now, which is now where we get Talia's motivations, her villain speech of she's saw that she had to take, take over for her father. And for all this time, she wanted Batman to choose between her and her son. Yeah. <laughs> her, like, it's your son too, Talia. Like, what the hell? Right. <laughs> Like, I'm sorry, I didn't know that parental rights was just like, whatever, you know, like, I, it's either the man I love or the kid I birthed. <laughs> yeah, she was literally willing to kill Robin, and it's like, if the earlier scene where she kills Heretic was supposed to prime us for, like, she's willing to kill her son, guess what, guys, it didn't work. I'm, I do not believe <laughs> Talia wants to kill Damien at all. I think it's completely out of left mm -hmm. field, and Batman thinks it's so out of left field for this to happen that it breaks his brainwashing and he with the rest of the bat family triumphantly faces down talia and talia's like screw this jumps off this flying structure onto a ship she had waiting for her and as she's getting away who should be in the ship with her but onyx remember onyx guys onyx is here <laughs> and onyx fights Talia over the controls the ship they're on it explodes it, it just explodes Talia is dead guys yeah it's I I'm assuming it was because Onyx was in love with Heretic and she wanted justice not vengeance or rather sorry vengeance not justice and uh, yeah we the the movie ends just like that with um we got to focus in on Bruce. He's talking with Damien, having a heart-to-heart -heart with him. 
over their infinity pool at the at the Wayne Manor. <laughs> and then it ends with the final call for the Bat family to to come together once again, don in their costumes with Nightwing, Batwoman, Batwing, Batman and Robin are standing next to the uh to next to the bat signal. And this is when we kind of see that Batman is now finally accepting that his family has grown as they jump off and leap away to take down the penguin who's driving away, shooting up the blocks of Gotham. And as we see that happening, we close to see Batgirl, Barbara Gordon, I'm assuming, coming out of the shadows and in her new 52 attire, um, jumping off to join the fight, which... I wanted to see more of because it was just like, where were you all this time? It's the same place these writers were all over the place. Jeez, <laughs> movies, the movie's over. How many, yeah. how many weird Damien clones with mommy issues out of 10 would you give <laughs> Batman bad blood? Oh gosh. You know, I. I have to. Can I readjust one of my scores for another movie? I yes. feel like yes, Throne of Atlantis deserved way better than what I scored it. <laughs> <laughs> the, Throne of Atlantis, I'll bump it up to a six because I need to give this movie a solid two. <laughs> like, yeah, see, see what this movie does. It makes us go back and revise our opinions <laughs> of bad movies. It's so crazy to. Because we have so much potential, I feel, in all of these characters. We have a character development for Nightwing. We have a moment where Damien can step up a little bit. We're introducing Batwoman and Batwing, all of whom could have like really great arcs in this movie. And it felt like we just, we didn't care. <laughs> we was like, oh yeah, we forgot. We have all these people. It's now time to throw them all in. And Talia's change was just like, so out of left field because it's clear that between the moments of when she left Damien and now shouldn't have been that much time with Batman versus Robin that was a couple months after uh, the events of Son of Batman Mm -hmm. and then with this taking place six months after that means that we found a way for Talia to get crazy grow a Damien clone to full adulthood and build out this new team, create this plan in possibly like eight months. I would like some backstory there as to why this happened and not just throw in everything that we could think of for the sake of we need a sequel to Batman versus Robin, which is honestly just felt like a standalone film that just did not make it make any sense. Yeah, it that's a great way to put it. It's just disconnected because I I don't believe we see Batwoman at all until the very end of the universe in a Apocalypse War. So mm-hmm. everything we do with her character in this movie means essentially nothing. So we sat through all of this for, you know, her big origin for what? Another issue with this movie is how Batman treats his new members of the Bat family. At the beginning of the movie, he's very antagonistic to Batwoman. He doesn't want her to, to join the team. He wants to kind of do it alone. And then in the middle of the movie, after he's rescued and while he's still technically under the hypnosis, he's like, screw you guys. I, I don't want you to be around. That is just not good character development because now it's like... <laughs> I thought he was pushing them away because of the brainwashing, but I remember, no, even before the brainwashing, he was the same. So now I'm confused as to like, and at the end, he's cool with them. So is he cool with them because he came out of the brainwashing? Is he cool with them because they're legitimately good? It just doesn't work. And they didn't even need to fight before the end because they come back together in the end anyway. So it just seemed like his character was not, nearly as well-defined as he was in Batman versus Robin, where I felt like we were really getting layers of Bruce here. It's just like, I hate everybody. All right. All right, Bruce. Uh, 
man, I we if we got to do the Arate alteration and it can't just be don't do this movie. If this whole movie wanted to be about Batwoman trying to join the team, then make it about Batwoman trying to join the team. And yes, I think it would have been perfectly fine to sit Damien out of this one. It honestly, yeah, I think you sit Damien out of this one completely because Damien will get an arc from what I remember of DC universe, he gets more of arcs in the next two teen Titans movies. So you don't need to do anything to his character in this movie. I think you keep him on the monastery. And then I think you just do a movie where Kate wants to join the team and Bruce is trying to stop it because her methods are too extreme. Nightwing comes in and you can do some parallels between Nightwing's feelings about leaving the team and how it affects his legacy about Batwoman. You could just have this thing about the three characters. You don't need Talia. You definitely don't need Heretic. You can keep Tusk because come on, Tusk is part <laughs> of the movie. But I think that's where you start to improve this movie. Again, that is just the tip of the iceberg. There, there are a lot of changes that would, that would need to happen to make this movie work. Because at it at its current state, yeah, I think a two heretics with mommy issues out of ten is is really what it warrants. It's just not a fun watch at all. All right, now that we finished talking about that bad movie about bad blood, mm-hmm. let's talk about all the comics that inspired this movie. <laughs> Wait, oh my god, I'm sorry, but one one quick second. Why was it called Bad Blood? What what was the bad yeah. blood in this movie? You know what? I don't even know what there was no blood in this movie. <laughs> I I just had I just I don't know why that popped in my head now, but all right. That's that's fine. We can we can move on. So this movie I think is actually based off of four different Batman story arcs. Oh my god. This is a really badly mixed blend of Batman Battle for the Cow, Batman Incorporated, Batman RIP, and the origin of Batwoman itself. So we're at four really which is weird because like these are really great story arcs too, some of which are my favorite of reading Batman comics so I'm just surprised that you know the all of which I feel could have honestly gotten their own individual movie I mean we already got Batwoman as a television series so it's clear that she can hold her own but when you have Battle for the Cow, Batman Incorporated and Batman R.I.P. these are heavy hitters when you talk about Batman so I don't know what happened here but this is a mix of all of these all of which total up to a little over 30 issues in total. Wow. Uh, so I don't know if it was just like we had to finish this project at <laughs> in the morning and it was 9 p.m. This really is a lot of group project energy, this film. <laughs> yes, so much. <laughs> so going back to the history of it all, the first thing we're going to talk about is the history of the character who was introduced in this film, Tusk. No, I'm joking. We're talking about Batwoman. <laughs> I, I would love for Tusk. <laughs> Unfortunately, there's not much for Tusk. He's, he's still treated as a side character, but I think he made it big this time around. Yeah. But we're going to talk about Kate Kane as Batwoman, who was originally introduced back in Detective Comics number 233 in 1956. She was introduced as a way to extend the Bat family because at the same time, there was an expansion of the Superman family where we got to see the introduction of kind of people like Supergirl and Crypto, our favorite super dog. And the reason for her creation is not too dissimilar to Batgirl, but I think they went a really awkward route about this because Batwoman was introduced as a way to prove that Bruce Wayne wasn't gay. Huh. <laughs> there was, unfortunately, a lot of conversations about Batman and Robin being in 
the in the relationship other than this mentorship that they had so and they there was fear that the way they interacted would contribute to people growing up to be gay which is clearly not the case this is such a really terrible way of thinking and their way of ensuring that this didn't happen was to introduce Batwoman as a love interest for Bruce Wayne. She started out, as I mentioned, back in, back in the 50s. She wore this really yellow outfit with this red mask. And instead of having a utility belt, she had a utility purse because, once again, it was the 50s. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> During this time, she's also put forward as a socialite and a former circus performer. So I guess that's kind of why in the movie we got a chance to see this little connection that was happening between uh, Dick Grayson and Kathy Kane when they were talking, because it kind of seemed like there was familiarity between the two of them. And granted, it was put forward as the socialite aspect, but having the fact that there's these two circus performers are really great to, to know that this was this, oh, possibly a little nod to it. Uh, so Batwoman, she makes her debut. She's fighting crime. She's often seen making advances to Batman, and she even had her own sidekick. This was the um, one of the first Batgirls in comic book history by the name of Betty Kane, who was her niece. And she served as the love interest for Robin because, once again, we had to prove that Batman and Robin were gay, right. which is, again... <laughs> That's the only way. So Only way to prove Right, exactly. <laughs> We see a lot of change happening, though, to her character. This was mostly due to the fact of a lot of the big moments in DC history, kind of like Infinite Crisis, Crisis on Infinite Herbs. Her character, as well as her Batgirl sidekick, were erased from history. And she eventually does make her way back into Earth 2 storylines, where she is just Kate Kane, uh, she is fighting alongside with Batman at times, and she eventually uh, re renounces the role because this is also where we start seeing introductions of this newer version of Kate Kane that we see in this film and more popularly now of the all black suit with the red emblem and the red hair. But this new version of Kate Kane, the irony of this because of the fact that Batwoman was introduced as this love interest for Bruce Wayne, Kate Kane is a proud lesbian woman in the comics. We see that get shown in the film, especially more here. She's much more uh, aggressive in terms of an assertive. And honestly, she's really well written in a lot of stories, especially one by Marguerite Bennett in the uh, DC Rebirth series. This version I like a bit more, and I think they were trying to definitely put that in this movie, but they could have expanded on it because the stuff that we were saying was missing about, you know, why, why Batwoman? Why this mm -hmm. persona? How did you train to become this person? Kate was forced to resign from West Point after two years of training there because she was engaging in a relationship with another female cadet. So due to the Army's regulations, they decided that it was necessary for her to resign. So after that, she decided to go around the globe and start training the same way that Bruce Wayne did, kind of this combat training, which was really awesome to see because it's such a great parallel to Bruce Wayne, given the fact that in this iteration, they are cousins. And she does end up getting saved by Batman in a very similar way that we see in the comics. And once she's saved by him, she realizes that after years of being this kind of drunk socialite gone back into Gotham and still dealing with the passing of her sister and her mother, the very similar way as explained in the movie about them being kidnapped and killed, she saw the symbol as a way to give her focus. So that is how we got the introduction of Batwoman, which I think would have been great to add in because we've missed that big moment of just like, why did she choose this persona? And knowing that this is her way of honoring the symbol that saved her life and, and gave her the focus that she needed to move forward, that is that was really great. And I loved reading that, especially. So 
we get a chance to really see Kate kind of grow into being the badass that she definitely is. Continuing on with the Bat family, we have Luke Fox, who is our Batwing. He is actually the second Batwing in history. Batwing was first introduced in uh, 2011, and it was first part of, once again, Batman's attempt to create, uh, to expand out his family again. And he decided he wanted a bit of more of a global presence by having a Batman-affiliated crime fighter in every single country in the globe. And the first one was the Batman of Africa, David Zavimbe. Okay, uh, so he... <laughs> Black Panther in the DC universe. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and great thing about this too, this is actually the first appearance of Luke Fox's Batwing in media in this film. So it's great to see that in 2011, when we have Batwing first introduced, and then with Luke Fox taking on the role in Batman number 19 back in 2013, we have a three-year difference between when Luke Fox became Batwing and when he first came to screen to become the character that mm. we get to see fight against Killer Moth and Firefly. <laughs> How high he has risen. So that is really kind of just like a little bit of history to for the characters who were introduced to, uh, both of whom I feel got really short introductions in the, in the film. Um, but now we're gonna talk about this real story that kind of influenced this movie. The, actually the four stories that influenced this movie. And that is why I'm gonna call today's jumbled up mix of comic story arcs, Batman's Big Happy Family, a Tyler Perry production. <laughs> <laughs> Because there's just so much drama and, you know, I feel like Tusk serve as our Medea to really kind of wrangle us back in. <laughs> <laughs> so there are four comics that really helped to inspire this movie. It's Batman Battle for the Cow, Batman Incorporated, Batman R.I.P., and The Origin of Batwoman. But I'm going to really kind of focus in on the first three, starting with Batman Incorporated, this is a Grant Morrison run from back in 2010. This is about 13 issues. And Batman Incorporated was Bruce Wayne's comic in which he decided that in order to truly fight crime around the world, he needed to have a Batman-like figure in every single country in the globe. So we do get a chance to see the Batman of Japan. Um, and we also get to see, of course, Batwing um, becoming the Batman of Africa. Currently, there are at least 35 members of the Bat family. That's including the pets. And talking about Bat-Hound in particular and Alfred the Cat. <laughs> Alfred the Cat? Oh, sure. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> so I think that in an effort to really tie up tie up Batman's story in this film. They tried to bring forward this, this kind of, here's this closing arc of, here are all the people that Batman helped to influence. And that was why we kind of had this really weird mix of everybody. And in that story, it is Talia. She hears about this effort and it's just like, no, we need to shut this down. And decides to put together a group called Leviathan. This group is literally just put together to take down Batman Incorporated. And it does consist of people like the heretic who we see as this menacing threat throughout the entire time. He doesn't look anything actually like his character in the, um, <laughs> in the movie. Like he does have on this metallic kind of Batman mask, but he's mostly dressed in kind of like the uh the attire that you kind of see in like, Lawrence of Arabia the the all white kind of clothing mm -hmm. to cover themselves from the sand and the heat um so he we learn more and more that it's actually this clone of Damian Wayne he has been grown and trained to be this killer you, there's like these really amazing panels of him 
engaging in all these crazy levels of fights where he's just like basically pulling up Mortal Kombat like moves and taking out people's heads and just showing the spine. So, and we do see this same kind of dynamic between the heretic and Damien, less so much as that we saw in the um in the movie between like Batman and the heretic, it's really kind of focused more on Damien and the heretic because they do recognize each other as being the same person. Mm-hmm. And as they're fighting, this is really an all out effort where every single member of the Bat family is brought in and especially Batman incorporated. Talia takes out a majority of them. Talia is completely unhinged at this point. She's asking for Bruce to make a decision it has to be either Damien or Gotham whichever one he chooses the other one will will be destroyed Hmm. and Damien decides that it is time to join the fight while his father is getting beat up by the heretic so at this moment when he jumps in the heretic is beating up Damien because it's clear that the that that the heretic that Damien doesn't want to join along with the heretic who is being trained also to become the new leader of the league of assassins. <laughs> um, <laughs> and Damien is calling out to his mother, telling her, call off your hound, call, call him off, tell him to stop. Like, you know, you don't want to do this. You know, you don't want to kill me specifically because he's coming after me and she doesn't respond and the more that you read along the story, Damien is just getting pummeled by the heretic. He at one point gets taken and thrown headfirst into a wall. And as the rest of the team is trying to run to, to help him, this is when the heretic grabs Damien and stabs him with a sword, instantly killing him. And Damien becomes the first member of the Bat family to die during the events of Batman Incorporated. Ah, okay. So now I'm seeing some parallels now to the movie of how poorly it didn't do that. Um, makes sense. <laughs> makes sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the other comic that gets incorporated in it is Battle for the Cow. This is one of my favorite Batman story arcs of all time. It was about 17 issues from 2009. And we get to see it play out here a little bit in the movie where Batman is dead. We don't know Mm. what's going to happen, who's going to take over. Uh, But this comic I'm talking about, Battle for the Cow, was way better. It's more grounded. It goes into the events that happen while Batman is presumably dead. Nightwing has is now being seen as the next logical choice to be Batman. And he's like, nah, I don't want it. And at this point, Gotham is running wild. Black Mask has got all the villains together to take over Gotham. They don't care about the Robins. They have no fear about them. So they only have fear for Batman. So you get to see some pretty gruesome scenes throughout this comic with people being... um, shot on sight a lot and it's crazy it's because here it is that we have nightwing is so reluctant to take on this role that someone else decides to do it okay. <laughs> yes but again it's just showing that like yo this is this is serious we because also we got a chance to see every single member of the bat family coming through they're all pressuring nightwing to to take up the mantle and he just keeps pushing back more and more so that was really it. As I mentioned, these are some really big comics in the Batman mythos. And all of these, I feel, deserve a solo film. So to have it that you have these big things happening and they're supposed to be adapted into this one terrible, terrible film, I that's, this is why I'm mostly displeased with it because after what happened in batman versus robin this is not what we should have gotten no we we deserved another emotional tale if you're gonna have another batman and robin story if you don't have any ideas guess what you have other characters dc you can make another movie 
And we have so many. We have a whole Justice League to pull from. Speaking of the Justice League, I think that is our next thing. We're going to be seeing them again. Yes, we are going to step back from just bats. And next time around, the Justice League, you know what? They're going to fight the Teen Titans. Maybe. Because the title is called Justice League versus the Teen Titans. So I expect Superman to square up with Damian Wayne. Oh, yeah. This is going to be, this is the fight that we need to see. You know, I'm, I'm hyped after Damian versus Tusk. Yeah. Like, it's going to be hard to beat this <laughs> until we get our Tusk solo film. Until then, take care and try not to get cloned out there. And if you do, talk to your clone. Don't, don't kidnap them. Do, do something, you know, go out for ice cream. Now that we've finished talking about our DC animated content, here are some recommended readings for you. All these comics and more can be found at your local comic shop, so remember to venture out and support your part of the source wall, and tell them Andrew and Shamar sent you. The first comic on our list is Batwoman. This collection from Detective Comics by Greg Rucka and J.H. Williams III gives an origin story for Batwoman as we see Gotham City through her eyes. Next we have Batman Battle for the Cow. This 2009 story by Tony Daniels shows the aftermath of the apparent death of Batman as Dick Grayson must decide whether or not to take over the mantle. However, his reluctance leads to Gotham falling into chaos in a civil war amongst the Bat family. Last, we have Batman Incorporated Volume 1 Demon Star. This New 52 story by Grant Morrison in 2011 sees Bruce trying to mimic the effect that Batman has had on Gotham to an international scale. However, Talia al Ghul returns with her new warrior, the heretic, to shut it down, thus pushing Batman and his family to their absolute limits, and not everyone makes it out alive. That's all for our list. Thank you for listening, and be sure to rate, review, and follow yet another DC Animated Podcast. Also, interact with us on social media for news on upcoming content. Take care, and we'll see you for the next issue.